everyone. Welcome to the Sunday recap. Mitch, we are down a person today. It's what boys is, week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Ariel's out this week. Uh, she's at a, a class today, yeah. which is awesome all this week. But that leaves Mitch and I to uh, do the Sunday recap. So sorry. Um, I guess you just turn it off right now. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want to listen to us, turn it up. You may need to turn the bass down today, you know, turn up the treble. But yes, Ariel is gone. I, what, it's like they're studying. It's like, is it Paul's letters and Revelation? Oh. Or is I, it just Revelation? I don't know. I it's don't know. Something, it's, I, I didn't ask I thought it was something like that. Like, yeah. where I'm like, that's a... You know, if they're doing mix. it all in one week, whatever it is, it's it's all oh, it's, it's like crammed into this week. And I so thought, I text Luke last night and I said, "So have you talked to your wife yet about Revelation?" And he's like, "I'm holding back, but it's been hard because <laughs> if you sit in an all day class, all you want to do when you come home is be like, hey, this is what I learned today.' Oh, totally, I'm like, totally. She doesn't really probably care that much about your <laughs> eight hours of lecture of yeah, Revelation. Yeah. So well, you may, you guys might not, may not know this. We're gonna do a little plug. They don't pay us for this, but um, both Luke and Ariel are going to school at Indianapolis Theological Seminary, which is a uh, kind of a new seminary that's up in town. Um, and so they're both up there this week, uh, taking a, a, a one week intensive class. So yeah. Yeah. And ITS is awesome. Yeah. Both of, both of us were already in seminary, you know, yeah. already doing classes and such, but well, I've actually done a class with them. Oh, cool. I, I did in January, I did one of their intensives. It was really good. They had some, they had, um, they brought awesome. in some really great professors to teach the class and stuff. So, um, and I like the, the, the president, I got to meet the president of the yeah, seminary cool. a couple of times. He's a nice guy. Well, Hey, uh, just a quick announcement for you as we are wrapping up the go together series here, uh, in the next uh, week, we are also getting ready to launch a new series, of course, <laughs> coming up uh, starting on November 1st. And the title of the series is This Is My Story. The idea with this is that we're going to look at passages in Scripture where you see conversions, conversion stories, when people come from uh, being dead in their sin to alive in Christ. And really the focus of this is that we would just marvel at the glory of God, marvel at the glory of what He does in, in saving us. Um, this is a big deal, I think, for us as Christians, that we would step back and actually recognize the the way that God has saved us and what He's actually saved us from. Like like we don't we don't fully understand or grasp the depth mm -hmm. of our sin and how dead we are in our sin. Mitch, I'm going to put you on the spot. Fire away. All right. So tell me your conversion story. Oh wow. <laughs> um, so I mean, I I grew up in uh, the Christian church. Um, so for me, my mom my mom was. My, I almost said this backwards. My mom led mops um, back in the day. Your mops led mops. Yeah. So yeah. Well, no, I actually said almost said my mom was an elder and my dad led mops. <laughs> it was okay. what I almost said. My dad was an elder, so I grew up in the church. Um, but man, I remember even as a little kid. Um, this is why when I see little kids get baptized, I mean, I, sometimes we can be skeptical. But yeah. I often am like, no, I remember there was something going on in my. How heart. old were you? Six. Wow. So okay. I remember. Um, that the way that stories were being told about Jesus to me just started to hit me differently. Yeah. Um, I remember like sitting in a classroom and our classroom was like behind the stage at the church, which was really weird to me. Like mm -hmm. you would always like go to class as church is happening through. The, it was really like distracting, I imagine. But <laughs> I remember being in this classroom and they were talking about, you know, Jesus. And it was like, man, like it just hit me a little differently that day. And then I remember sitting in the adult sermon and it was like, Cause, cause at that point in time you went to both, yeah. you know, you're at church from nine to noon every day. Right. And so or every Sunday. And so then it was like the adult sermon. It was like, okay, like 
what you know pastor tom's talking about jesus was just hit me a little bit differently yeah so i kind of went home when so I, so i want to pause right there yeah. because i mean we see that in scripture already yeah. that the holy spirit actually as the holy spirit indwells us actually helps us to understand the scriptures absolutely and so yeah. even at so what you're saying is even at six you began to notice that that the spirit was already working. Yeah. It, yeah. It wasn't, I mean, I mean, it wasn't this thing where it was like, Oh, I, I, you know, started to have all these answers. It was just like, it had a different meaning to me. And yeah. then I remember like later that day wrestling, I had these blue metal bunk beds that I think were really popular in the nineties. Okay. <laughs> and I remember sitting in my bottom bunk, like thinking to myself about, um, like, what does it mean to give my life over to Christ? Yeah. Like this decision to say that like the rest of my life, is devoted to Christ yeah. and not myself. Then I remember praying with my dad. It was on July 4th and, you know, asking Christ to come to my heart. Independence. Yeah. Day. Yeah. <laughs> then I remember being baptized and yeah. And so, so that yeah. was, I mean, that was kind of the start of, um, my Christian journey was, was from there. Wow. That's cool. And then I would say like, kind of what you're saying, you know, my journey off and on got rocky from there. Sure. But, but from there on, there was always this. Our sanctification is always up and ups and downs. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, well, what I would say, what's really helpful is the fact that it's like, but there was always this wrestling. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that like a lot of kids and students, like when they're wrestling with things in high school, they start to go, oh, am I a Christian? Mm. Well, I wish someone would have came to me back then and said like, no, like the wrestling actually means that like the Holy Spirit's working That's in you. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and then I would have been like, oh, okay, so I do, I want to do right, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's only by the power of God. So yeah. that's kind of, I mean, that that's kind of the beginning of my, you know, my journey that's with really Christ. Cool. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited to, uh, to get into this series because just the passages that we're going to look at through this and, um, I actually get to launch the series on November yeah. 1st. So I'm, I'm the first one and we're going to be talking about... And I think I end it. You do end it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're the last one. So that'll be cool. Um, but, but yeah, we're going to... So I'm talking about um, John chapter 4 and this is the Samaritan woman at the well. Nice. So we're, we're going to talk about that one. And then w which one are you doing? Cornelius's conversion. Oh, from Acts. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So yeah, I think this is going to be a really great series and uh, we hope that it's going to be encouraging to you too. Well, let's go ahead and jump into what we're going to be talking about today. We are in Go Together, the Go Together series. Uh, this is week five of the Go Together series. We've got one more week left after this. Next week will be the last one. And in this, uh, in this uh, sermon, Pastor Scott focused really in on verses 19 through 30 of Philippians chapter 2. Um, let's do this because... The focus of this really is on these two people. There's Timothy and Epaphroditus. Um, let's just kind of start with who are these two guys? Um, who's? Let's just start with Timothy. Who? Who's Timothy? Yeah, I mean, so so Timothy um, is Paul's main apprentice. I mean, main main person that he's investing in. Yeah. I mean, it's like the complete picture of mentor mentee in the new testament yeah. so partner he, in ministry yeah partner um i mean he's he's younger yep what we know and so um paul is constantly trying to instill wisdom in Tim timothy for the establishment of the future church mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. as as scott said like where paul was at you know paul scott made mention that it was like you know Timothy, Paul doesn't really want to release Timothy away during yeah. this season because he means so much to him. Yeah. But we see later that again, Timothy um, 
is just as foundational in in the work of the ministry and establishing how the local church functions. Absolutely. We see we get a really awesome glimpse of Paul's relationship with Timothy in the letters that he writes to Timothy, yeah. first and second Timothy. And and those are, I think, just wonderful letters that inform us so much about ministry life mm -hmm. and what uh, the calling of a pastor or a church leader really is, um, but also just how churches should should function. And so yeah. uh, really great letters to go back and read, but, but you see so much of his love for Timothy and his relationship with Timothy in those letters, which is awesome. Uh, now, Epaphroditus, this one's a little tougher because yeah. it's like, who who is Epaphroditus? How do we say it? Who is he? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I love what the passage says about this, he calls him a brother, which means he's a fellow Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Calls him a fellow worker. So he is he is working for the gospel um, uh, in the trenches with people. He is a fellow soldier. He's fighting. Um, it, it, there, there's, there's this sense in there of, of like a, a fighting for the faith type of a mm -hmm. thing. So there's a, Paul often talks about the defense of the gospel ministry and things like that. So I think that's a, that's a piece of that. And he calls it your messenger and minister in my need. And so what's probably going on here is that Epaphroditus was a leader in the church in Philipp, in Philippi. And, um, and he has done some traveling, um, but he has also, <laughs> what's amazing is he's, uh, done so much for the work of the gospel that he had risked his own life. So like in, in chapter two, verse 30, we see that he nearly died for the work of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, there was also this part in there when, in verse 27, where it says that he was ill as well, uh, so that, that he nearly died there. So there's this question of, did he, did he almost die twice? And <laughs> what's going on there? Uh, mm -hmm. But we don't get all those, those answers. Um, and so, but Epaphroditus is a key um, leader, uh, probably a key leader in the Philippian church and someone who Paul really respects and, um, uh, and trusts with, with the message of the gospel, which is, which is awesome. Um, and that was kind of Paul, uh, that was Paul's, that was <laughs> part of Scott's point. I did on, that just a second ago oh, too. Yeah. yeah. On Sunday, because he really wanted us to look at the character of both Timothy and Epaphroditus in the way in, in what this passage lays out for them. So what what Scott said was that uh, these two, what we see in them is that they're available, that they're sensitive, and that they're reliable. Um, and those three characteristics really really embody um, some really great things for people who are like, you know, I, I want to be used by God. I, I mm -hmm. want to be used by him in some way. I think one of the big questions that we have to wrestle with is what are the reasons that we tell ourselves that we can't be used by God? Because mm. um, I think I, I think that we have, you know, our listeners and, and people in our church um, who would love to be used by God in some way. Um, feel like that they could be or they should be in some way. Um, and and yet they feel like at the same time that they can't, like there's something that's standing in the way. Mm -hmm. um, as you've talked to people, and, and I, I've got some stories too, but as you've talked to people, what are some of those reasons that they tell themselves, like where they're just kind of in that place of like, nah, God just can't use me? Yeah, I, I, think, I think the surface level answers tend to be more the side of, I mean, busyness, other responsibilities, commitments mm -hmm. elsewhere, mm -hmm. um, and, and those things bind them down. But I think the deeper answers tend to be for people um, that they, they either see themselves as ill-equipped or they see themselves as too damaged 
um, to for God to use them. Yeah. So what I mean by that is that they're either wrestling with sin or they've wrestled with sin or they've got a past and they're concerned that that past is going to wreck their witness or mm. that it's going to come back up in some way. Mm. The, yeah. the other side is those who they, you know, as, as Scott kind of worked through all the different characters of the Bible, but they don't feel like they're equipped to actually um, be able to impact anybody um, for Christ. So they either think they can't speak publicly and they think that's an issue or they're not going to have the answers or, you know, they're fearful or whatever it is, they feel ill-equipped to do um, the work of the ministry. Right. And so they hold themselves back. Right. I would say those are like the two, like, I, those are the categories I think most people fall into. I think into. that's really good. Let's let's address those really quickly. Um, the first one that you mentioned is is this idea of maybe feeling like they're there's too much sin in their life or they have mm -hmm. a past and things like that. And I, you know, if that's you and you're listening to this right now, I want to point you to second Corinthians. Mm -hmm. um, holy cow. The, <laughs> the right out of the gate, second Corinthians gives us an amazing answer to this. I'm just going to read this. This is, this is chapter one, verses three and four. Um, he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Absolutely. Um, and what I love about this, I, this whole idea is like, okay, um, you know, the things that, that you have gone through, the things that we have gone through are things that for one reason or another, the Lord, and we've talked about the Lord orda ordaining things, but the Lord yeah. has ordained these things, but he's done them for a good purpose. And and what Paul is getting to here is really, maybe the purpose for this is that you would be able to go back and talk to people who are in that same situation and offer comfort and um, uh, and consolation to them in, in the middle of all that. Yeah, so, so we do... Um this thing called the place assessment, yeah. but there's a portion of it where we get to experience. It's the final part of the conversation. And, and when we get to this part of the conversation, I really think, you know, we have two options with our experiences. I mean, we can kind of just like hoard them, sit on them, let them be these burdens of the past, especially the negative experiences. Yes. Or we can say, okay, how could God use these for the work of the ministry? And, mm. and man, one of the most, um, one of the coolest things I've seen in our church is people who have been on the brink of divorce yeah. being willing to walk alongside other people who are now on the brink of divorce yeah. and to use their, you know, probably what's one of the most difficult seasons of their life to say, how could God use our experience for the work of the ministry for this person over here who's walking through something very similar? Absolutely. Um, and yep. so I think like that's, you know, again, I think our, our stories, our, our hurts, our pains, um, one, they don't define us. I mean, we're defined by, you know, what Christ has done on the cross. But even outside of that, they could be a foundation for how God, you know, wants to use you to minister to the people around you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The other one that you brought up here was the idea of maybe I feel ill-equipped, yeah. ill-equipped to do these things. And, um, and I think that's exactly right. I think we have a lot of people in our church that are maybe feeling that way. Like, I don't, you know, what if they ask me a question that I don't know the answer mm -hmm. to? What if, what if, uh, you know, we're getting into the Bible and I'm like, I have no idea where to start, you know, things like that. Um, so what would you, what would you say to someone who is in that place? How can we help them to, <laughs> to, my, to kind of maybe take a step to, to help in that direction? My first question is a little bit sharp, a little bit probably sharp, Okay, but, um, how long it, how long is it okay 
to feel ill-equipped? Yeah, yeah. Or how long is it okay to not seek answers to the questions that you have right. about your faith? I think for many of us, um, we sit with those questions, I mean, not for days, not for weeks, but for years and sometimes decades right. without ever seeking answers to them. And and I would just raise the question, like, is that is that okay? Right. Is that right? The second thing I would say... Um, just a quick thing on that, too. I, I would say that's my story in a lot yeah. of ways, because I, I had a lot of big questions mm-hmm. about stuff, even as a Christian. And and uh, and I was even working at a church at the time. And I kind of got to the place where I was like, you know, I need to like know what, what the answers are here. Mm-hmm. And and that really began this journey for me of of studying, of reading, of, of doing all kinds of things to podcasts. Podcasts mm-hmm. were huge when I was first starting, for sure. But to start learning and to and to like looking at the community of believers around me that have really thought these things through, so that I could rely on them to get some good answers. So anyway, yeah. yeah. And then my second my second thing is is basically what you just said. Um, I think being equipped is as much about posture as actually getting your answers. And what I mean by that is it's deciding that you're going to be someone that's going to be growing in the knowledge of Christ that's daily. Exactly. Yeah. So so it's. Um, as much as being ready to share the gospel is just about being ready. Yeah. You know, um, I think we have this picture sometimes that, okay, for me to take this seriously, I got to quit my job, sell everything I own, and I got to move over to Mexico. And that'll be me being faithful to God. Where actually um, what may be you being faithful to God is just posturing yourself to be ready to share the gospel where you're at. The same way that I think um, feeling ill-equipped is sometimes an issue of not necessarily having all the answers, but being somebody that's looking for the answers to the questions for mm. your faith. So so it's posturing, posturing yourself to say, you know what, I want to grow in the knowledge of God, so I'm going to start to do things that would contribute to that. I'm yeah. going to get involved with Bible studies, and I may take some classes that where I have questions, I may try to seek the answers out on those, or I'll go to someone who I think's wiser than me, farther along in this issue, and say, hey, what should I read? What should I be doing to answer... It's just posturing yeah. yourself to say that I want to be a Christian that's growing yeah. in the knowledge of who God it is. It takes humility to kind of admit, like, I, I'm weak in this area and yeah. I want to be a learner. You know, I think mm-hmm. that takes a lot of humility, but Absolutely. that's a great place to be. In fact, here, here's the thing. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians again. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is this, there's this incredible passage where Paul, t- he, he talks about how the Lord had given him this, this thorn in his side, mm-hmm. this weakness in his flesh. And his conclusion from this was that the Lord reminded him, he said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul says, this is verse nine, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So, so I think both of those issues that we've talked about are both issues of weaknesses. They're issues of, of, uh, I feel inadequate. Um, I feel broken. I feel messed up. I don't have what it takes. It's all of that kind of stuff. And what Paul is saying is, is like, that's the Christian life. Like (laughs) he's, what Paul is getting to is we're, none of us are going to have all of that together. Yeah. Even pastors, even 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 you know these incredible church leaders and all this sort of stuff, do not have it together. Absolutely. Um, and so and so, there's literally no difference <laughs> between you and them in that sense because all all that it is 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 uh, at this point just saying, all right, I'm weak. Yeah. And God, would you just use me in my weakness? And I'm going to boast in that weakness. 
um, and rely on you to do the work. So, yeah. So I think it's just deciding that we're going to be people that, again, I think that's why availability being the first point is so huge mm -hmm. because it's, again, it's about, it's about positioning ourselves to say that, okay, how can God use me today and where do I need to rest in Christ and where do I need to grow in knowledge of him? And yeah. it's like, once you position yourself in that way, then you start to see that you're more available for God to work. Now, again, we've yeah. already talked about this whole piece, and Scott mentioned this, that again, God's going to work. You know, I mean, I mean, God's God's plan is to work through this people for the spread of the gospel, but God works. So it's like God's God's working, you know, in, in ways, even with people who aren't being obedient. So yeah. I, the reason I say that, though, is because I think sometimes we ask this question, you know, can God work through me? And it's like, no, he can if you're willing or not. What it's about right. is you posturing yourself so that you can experience God working through you. Yeah. You know. So that may take some unpacking because I it think, does, I but, think that's but a I think big, it's important concept. I, I and, and I don't want to I don't know if we need to go into all the details of it, but I think yeah. it's important to say that like we don't need to necessarily start with the question of like can God work through me? That's right. <laughs> we, because if yeah. we start like like that's a question where it's like God God can work however he wants to work. Yes. Now you you know, if you want to be in the experience of God working through you, mm -hmm. you know, and you want to posture yourself in this, well, then here's or, how you or, do it. Or, to or be, willing. Be, to be, <laughs> yeah. Or to be used by God in a positive way. Yes, absolutely. So, like, a good example is Babylon. Like, you yeah. look in the Old Testament, and there are multiple passages in the Old Testament how, that talk about Babylon being God's instrument for coming down and bringing judgment on yeah his own people. Like, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's a weird thing to think about, um, yeah. how that all is working together, but God is using Nebuchadnezzar and the, and the Babylonians to do his work, but it's bad. It's mm -hmm. bad work in, in, in a sense, yeah. but it's still what God wanted, wanted to have happen. So. Well, uh, so like you said, availability was the first one. One of the things that Scott said in this, um, th there's two quotes I, I'd love to unpack a little bit. So the first is this idea that every Christian has a mission to the world and every Christian has a ministry to the church. Every Christian has a, a mission to the world and a ministry to the church. Let's unpack that just a little bit. Yeah. So um, again, I think I'm thinking about this first in the context of serving, but this doesn't fully address the question. So okay. again, when we talk about members in our church, we talk about um, you should be serving inside the church and you should be serving outside the church. Now, mm -hmm. again, where do we get this idea? And this isn't just something that we're like, because we want you to serve inside and we want you to serve outside. So we're just going <laughs> to say that. No. Um, in fact, um, in 1 Corinthians, and I don't remember it, the exact passage off the top of my head, but when Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. Yeah, chapter um, 12. Chapter 12. I was going to say 12 or 15. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to say the wrong one. So chapter 12, one of the things that Paul says when he's talking about spiritual gifts, he attributes all of these spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. Exactly. So again, the primary reason um, that God has given you unique gifts in Christ is for the building up of the church. Yeah. Now, sometimes I think we think of our spiritual gifts and then we move them totally outside the walls of the church. And we start to think about all these external ways that they impact the kingdom of God. Yeah. But again, there's a differentiation made between the kingdom of God and the church. Mm -hmm. And Paul and Paul knows that. So specifically within the body of believers, God has gifted you uniquely to serve. And so, so I think that's kind of why there can be this differentiation that's made yeah. is that you need to know that God has you in this church body with these people to minister, um, to build up the body, to work, to serve, 
his local church. Mm -hmm. The other side is kind of more the Great Commission aspect of it, which is we've all been called, you know, Matthew 28, we've all been called to go out and spread the gospel. Yeah. We've all been called to go out to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Which again, this isn't like a one-time share, baptize them, they're done. This is welcoming people into the immersive kingdom of God. Right. It's it, disciple-making. It's disciple-making, exactly. Yeah. So so there's these two different... Um, Two calls that are in one level or one in the same. If you're building up the local church, you're probably going to be ministering outside the local church. Yeah. Vice versa. If you're ministering outside the local church, your work is probably going to impact inside the local church. Right. But again, it's important to know that God has gifted you uniquely for the building up of the church, and God has also called you to be the one that witnesses to the disciple-making for the building up of the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's not just something arbitrary that Scott's talking about on Sunday mornings. This is a biblically-based command, and, and both of those things are, are critical for every member of our church yeah. to to take it to to start walking in now let me things. broaden that word ministry real quick so sure so again when we say the ministry side um and again scott did this scott said that you know you may think that serving in children's ministry is inconsequential to the building up of the body right right um but again i think we have to broaden our view of ministry mm -hmm. one of the things that i think i love about our church is that we have people that have risen up to positions that run um, incredible ministries that have grown to the size of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I know that there are other people that they sit there in the seat and they go, I don't think I'm supposed to do that, but what else? Like that's the tale that we tell for them yeah. is like that Charlie Pulcher runs a nonprofit that meets the needs of 300 people a year. All right, now what does your ministry look like? Mm -hmm. And again, I, ministry is so much broader than that. Yeah, I mean, some of the most impactful ministries, just as I said, like the guy who is helping minister to someone in the midst of divorce based off of his experience. Yeah, I mean, I've seen moms take other moms grocery shopping yeah. who are single moms, and while they're with them, they're just ministering to their needs. And I think that's some of the most impactful ministry I've Absolutely. ever seen. You know, even this last weekend on Sunday night, so Sunday nights is our student ministry. And on Sunday night, um, there was a, I think she's a seventh grader mm -hmm. uh, who baked a hundred cupcakes. Okay. <laughs> That's where those were. I, those cupcakes were phenomenal. Weren't they great? For, they were so good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> she baked a hundred cupcakes. She brought them to the student ministry on mm -hmm. Sunday night with this purpose. The whole purpose of it was she wanted everyone in the group to take a cupcake and not to take it for themselves, but to go and bless someone else with it. That yeah. was that was the whole purpose, and so, uh, you know, there was you know sixty students there, or whatever on on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. Everybody grabbed a cupcake or two, and they all took it to people at school the next day. And I was like, that is an incredible ministry. And what did she do? She had an idea. She baked some cupcakes. I mean, and, and that's the thing. <laughs> we can like we have a perspective as people being on staff that we probably hear more of these stories, and we probably should be sharing more of them with oh, you guys. Yeah. But I mean, I can tell you person after person. I mean. I was on a mission trip a couple years ago and there was one person on our trip that they took it upon themselves to write a letter of encouragement to every single person on the team. Oh, that's awesome. And it's like, again, what are we, what are we actually like there for to do medical clinics? Yeah. But how did they minister to our team in the midst of us doing that? Yeah. Such incredible ministry. It's writing on cards. Yeah. It's not, it's not starting medical clinics, you know? And so again, I think we have to broaden our view of what ministry is and say, okay, what is God calling me to do. Absolutely. That's great.
Well, let's move on to number two, which is sensitivity. And this is where what the way that that Scott was defining this was the idea that they're really sensitive to other people. They're they're thinking about others. And he pointed us to a couple passages like verse 20, when he was talking about Timothy, how he said, I have no one like him who will genuinely who will be genuine, genuinely concerned for your welfare. Or um, in verse 25, uh, how Epaphroditus, it says that um he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because he heard because you heard that he was ill. So what we see in these passages is that these are two men who are being called to do this ministry, this mission, mm-hmm. um, but they're being called because they have a genuine love for these people. And so the question that that I keep coming to is, how can I grow in that? How can I grow in my love for other people? What um, is that something that just happens? in a vacuum, like, uh, like on its own, do I have to do something to, for that? Is that something I should be praying for? What's, what's, how do I grow in that love for people? Um, honestly, as, as we met with our group last week in full transparency, mm-hmm. most of the guys in our group, including ourself, um, myself was that, um, the, the area we wanted to grow in compassion towards one another, which I think was one of the questions in the study yeah. was, um, loving people that we find to be difficult Mm -hmm. um, because Mm -hmm. we all have a capacity to just avoid them. Um, And again, I think the primary way that we can grow in that is, um, again, as we grow in our understanding of God, we grow in our perspective of his love for people, um, what he offers for us. um, Then out of overflow, um, we can love those around us. Um, And so I think for me, that's an area that I need, I know I need to grow in because there are people that I just flat out avoid because I find them to be difficult (laughs) for me. And so for me, that was the main area of where I needed to grow in compassion. One of the things that was convicting to me in reading to this, um, this passage was that there's the mention for both Timothy and Epaphrodites. It says for Timothy, it says there's no one like him for Epaphrodites. It says that they all seek their own interest. So the other than these two. So as I was mm-hmm. thinking about this, I was like, okay, where are the other people? Like, where are they? I mean, yeah. we're talking about the early church. So like, like, I think we have this picture of like, there should be like hundreds of these people fired up that aren't seeking their own interests. They're seeking the interest of Christ. Right. But yet there's few of them. Yeah. You know, in fact, two of them as Paul, from Paul's yeah. perspective. Yeah. So again, that does, while one side of that, I'm like, okay, where are these people? It gives me hope when I look at a context and I can sit in a room full of five guys that are probably a reflection of our church, and we all say that we're selfish people seeking our own interests, even in relationships, that if we can surrender this area to God, um, that, man, God could use us and impact um, his kingdom tremendously because it only takes a few right. <laughs> It's kind of what I was like seeing as I looked at it. It's like, Oh, it only takes a few of these people to not be self-seeking, you know, to do the work of the ministry. But again, I think it just takes all of us analyzing, looking at the way that we live our, live our lives and saying, okay, where are we like, where do we struggle <laughs> to be compassionate? And for me, it's an issue of perspective often not seeing people the way that God sees them. And again, seeing what do people offer to me? Right. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's great. I mean, being able to, to look at people the way that God sees them is huge. That perspective is game changing. Even in the text though, there, I think there's, I mean, we can go back for, to what we talked about last week and the idea of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think often when we approach people who, um, when we encounter people who are, uh, you know, difficult for us to love, it's often because as we interact with them, we all of a sudden start to think, 
uh, I'm, I'm better than this oh, person. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, I think it comes back to, again, this theme of humility that's, that kind of runs through the beginning of the book where we, um, if, as we come back to that and recognize that, that what we really need to be doing is treating others as being better than ourselves. Yep. Um, and, and man, that's, um, that is a tough thing to do, but if we can, and honestly, we can't do that on our own. Mm -hmm. uh, we need God's help <laughs> to do that. Um, but I think that as we encounter those situations, that, that even in the moment to just stop and pray and ask, mm -hmm. God, help me to love this person the Absolutely. way that you love them and help me to love them in a way where I consider them better than myself. Um, and that changes the game, I think, in a, in a big way. That's a... a, a a tangible thing. I, I, I'm the same way. Like, I need to do this more. I need to do this way more in my life as well. Well, the last one that we talked about here is reliability. Um, and in reliability, what Scott was unpacking was this idea of, you know, do they have follow through? Do they keep their promises? Are, are they willing to roll up their sleeves and get to work and do the things that they say? Um, are their yeses yes and their noes are no and things like that? And for this, he he pointed to verse 25, and especially with Epaphroditus here, where he called him a brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, and a messenger. And these are, um, this is high praise, mm -hmm. <laughs> high praise from Paul. You know, Chris, I, I had a thought about, you know, this, this point of reliability yesterday as I was looking at it. I was on Facebook scrolling way too long as I lay in bed. <laughs> okay. Someone will probably quote the social, whatever that social network, what's that that new show called? This I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Someone will probably quote it to me later this week after listening to this. But I was scrolling and I, and I came across this post where someone had died recently. And I thought about the statement that we make sometimes as Christians where we say, um, I, they say, hey, let me know if you know, need anything. Right, right. And um, the amount of like, just kind of the way we flip that statement out to people yeah, and how, you know, in saying that, you know, would we truly be reliable to whatever this other person's needs were if they right. came back and asked us? Right. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that like we should stop using that statement. In fact, I think what I'm petitioning for is that we actually are a people who are that reliable that if somebody came back to me and said like, Hey, like, you know what, the funeral is going to be out of town and I need you to watch my three dogs. And, you know, and we're like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I said I would do whatever you need. Yeah. But I think typically like that statement's just kind of empty. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes um, that's the posture in which, you know, we, 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 we relate in community with one another. It's like mm -hmm. we offer these kind of passive statements and these things about how we'll be there for you or we'll help you or it's we like, need that's you. That's really nice. But... but then when it comes down to it, it's like, I think the other person even knows like, I'm not really going to ask them really, to do this, yeah. you know? And, Which is a shame sometimes because, so like when I do that sort of thing, I, I try to be very like careful yeah. about, about when I offer that and when I don't. And, um, and usually when I do offer things, I try to think of very tangible things that they might need. Yeah. So I don't, I don't give the more ambiguous, whatever you need, or what, if you need anything, I try to say like, you know, do you need someone to watch your dogs for you while you're gone? Like some, something very specific. And yeah. that usually changes the script a little bit. Like it lets them know exactly. that they're a little bit more serious. But so, yeah. so I feel like, so again, so much of this, I keep coming back to this, okay, this posture that we have in Christ, this, yeah. this reliability, this availability, this sensitivity, that um, if we posture ourselves in this way, then we're prepared for God to use us for ministry. Mm. Well, again, I think... I think reliability is truly putting ourselves in this posture that it's like, again, like the people around you, 
the people in your group, the people in your circle, the people that, that you're discipling, that they can trust you, um, that you, and that means, you know, being sensitive to your schedule, to everything you have going on, to not overcommit yourself, to not, and then, and because again, Paul can look at these two people and he can say like, all right, like I trust, you know, that they're going to meet the need that I need. And so for me, um, again, sometimes as someone who there have been people I've been working with in ministry and they've proven not to be reliable. And it's like, then I don't come back to ask them for things because I'm not worried they're going to be there. Yes. So, so again, and that's not, that's not to guilt, you know, anyone that's not held up to a commitment that they gave, but it's like, again, we want to be people that are marked by keeping our commitments to one another. Absolutely. If we, and I remember again, I was young in ministry. Uh, there was a friend of mine. He was the worship leader of our church, Eli Skinner. And one of the things that I always appreciated about Eli was the man held to his commitments, even when they would come, you know, at a fault to himself. And what I mean by this was like, if Eli told me that Sunday afternoon, he was going to have me over to watch the Colts game. And then someone offered him Colts tickets. He was going to watch the Colts game with me and not even ever even consider to come back to me and say, Hey, by the way, I got Colts tickets. Do you care if I go? Like the man just held to what you, whatever it was, you needed him to be there. He was going to do it. And again, mm. I knew he was reliable. I could turn to him for that. Yeah. Again, I think that's what we want to be for our people. Again, we talk a lot about 3am friends, but we want to be there when somebody actually reaches yeah. out to us at 3am. Right. Like we want them, we want them to be, to assume that we're going to actually answer the call and be there you know, for whatever they need. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, I think about this too with the parable of the unfaithful manager uh, that Jesus tells, this is in Luke 16. And this this passage kind of concludes with with a moral, which which I think is uh, is helpful, kind of gives us the summary, the, the point of it. In verse 10, it says, one who is faithful in a very little is also, faith, uh, is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And so this idea of like, if, if we're wanting to be used by God, if we're wanting to, to be like a Timothy or an Epaphroditus, um, the first thing is we need to be reliable even with what we have now. We need to be mm -hmm. faithful with the things that we've been given now. So, so maybe a good place to start might be to go back and say like, what has God already given you? You know, um, who are the people in your life that God has given you? Is that your, your spouse? Is that your, uh, your kids? Is that friends? Is that, um, uh, your neighbors around you, you know, coworkers, things like that. These are people that God has placed in your life and entrusted to you in a sense. And so the question is, is um, how can you be faithful to them in that time? Um, you know, who, who's a guy that, that does this really well in our, our church that, that man, I, I just, I love this guy. Uh, it's David Stater. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, really neat guy. And if you don't know David, you got to get to know him. He's, he's a super cool guy, but this guy, 100%, he's just like, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't have a lot of uh, like big ministry goals or things like that, but he wants to commit himself to the work of the Lord. And he has, um, uh, and, and, and honestly, one of the things that's, that's so cool is that he's, he's really working hard to try to be faithful with, mm -hmm. within that calling. Um, and, uh, and, 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 but I mean, you know, he's not, he's not perfect and things like mm -hmm. that. I love David though. I mean, I, I, I love hanging out with him and hearing his story and what's going on. Yeah, so, and, anyway. and again, I think, I think reliability <laughs> is one of those things that, you know, 
if you if you posture yourself in this way, it's like people begin to see you as dependent. And I'm not I'm not talking about like within the context of the church. I'm talking within the context of the people outside the church. Yeah, or um, it's both. I think. Yeah, yeah, it is both. It, it is, but, but yeah. But I don't want to put that on you. From I'm I'm trying not to put that on everybody listening. From the sense of like, be reliable, and we'll use you for all the cool opportunities. <laughs> right. what, what I'm really sure. trying to say though is like again, I've watched time after time that people will reach out to people that are there for them. Yeah, people that are that you know they're there when they need them. They said they're going to do something. They're going to be there. They're going to help them, even if it's to the detriment, you know, of whatever they better opportunity they had come along, or if it's even, you know, this is a sacrifice for them to do this. Yeah. Um, again, reliability of these three is probably the hardest one to commit to because, again, we're self-seeking. Mm. So we want to seek our own interest, and sometimes that means not. If things are inconvenient, the yep. then we let it go. Yeah. Absolutely. The point I think too that we have to come back to is that this is. Uh, these three attributes are things that Jesus did perfectly. Absolutely. And and as we are being formed into the image of Christ, these are things that we too should be like, that, that, that this is essentially our identity, are these things, and we're learning how to do these things. Uh, and and so I would want to point you back to the truth that that this is what Jesus did, that Jesus was free to be used, like he was undistracted, he was available, right? What did he do? He he freed up all of his life. His his mm -hmm. entire life was focused around the ministry that that he was doing. And he basically said, um, like I just think back to Gethsemane when he said, "Lord, not my will, but yours be done." He's like, "Look, I'm going to let go of my own agendas. I'm going to let go of everything that that I have, and I want you to be glorified." Sensitivity. He's sensitive to other people, thinking about others. I mean, we saw that so much. We see that so much in the Gospels of what Jesus did. Um, and then reliability. Jesus always did what he said he was going to do. And praise God that he yeah. did. I mean, if he didn't, we would not have salvation. Mm -hmm. You know, if he didn't do that, we would not be, we would not be saved and we would not have any ability to do any of these Absolutely. things. So, um, so we can, I think we have to always go back to that reality and remember that reality as we are trying to grow into this because we just can't do it on our own. We, we need God's help. Yeah, so it's, it's remembering that reality of what Christ has done for us. That's the foundation of which that we can do anything yeah. good. But then also at the same time, it's then looking after that out of that overflow to Christ's instruction for how we should live. Yeah. So again, we've pulled out, you know, different examples in scriptures through either Paul's letter or through, you know, the gospels. And it's like Christ gives us instruction on how we're to relate with one another. Yeah. And so we look to those things, but we know that we're standing on the foundation of what Christ has done. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's all we got for today. Sorry it was a major disappointment because Ariel wasn't here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but we're so glad that you joined us and made it all the way to the end. Hey, next time we're going to wrap up the Go Together series with with uh, number six, where we're, we're actually going to take a deeper dive into this same passage in Philippians and look at it from a little bit of a different angle. So that's what's going to be going on next time on the Sunday Recap.